Hey everyone, Google just had their IO keynote thing and Twitter's going crazy. So um, I'm seeing a lot of panic on Twitter and Facebook groups everywhere basically about what the heck is happening with Google and AI. So I sat down and watched it. I am a day late to watching it, but I think that actually helped me a bit because I was able to take a step back and not just be reactive the way I'm seeing a lot of other people being. So let's talk about what they talked about. Um, and I will preface all of this with nothing has actually happened yet that has impacted us as publishers. So we don't know the SEO impact yet. We don't know what's really going to happen. There have been lots of times that companies have come out, put their full weight behind something, and then it vanishes. Or it just kind of like floats in the ether for a while. <laughs> so we don't know if this is going to stick around. We don't know what these changes will actually end up meaning but we're gonna talk about what changes are coming. So the first thing that I thought was interesting is that Google, like they kept referring to themselves as AI first, which I find so ironic because for so long they were like, no, we don't allow AI content, like AI content's bad. And I'm like, everything you do is run through AI. Like that, it, it's so hypocritical. <laughs> so they have since reversed that decision um, and basically say as long as it's helpful content, it doesn't matter. Still, I was a little salty on it for a while. I had no issues. I mean, I use AI properly, so we were okay, but <laughs> still. So one of the new things they're doing is called Google Help Me Write. So if you use uh, Gmail for your emails, you'll be pretty used to seeing like an autocomplete feature or like little bubbles at the bottom. So Help Me Write is going to be a more in-depth, almost like, like, chat GPT working inside of Google sort of thing, where it can read the past emails that you're responding to, it can help you figure it out. So the example they gave, they gave a lot of travel examples, which was really surprising. Um, but the main example they gave was, you get an email back from a flight company offering you like a voucher, but what you actually want is a refund. So you can tell it, help me write an email like to get a refund. And it will pull information from that other email and then structure an email for you. Now, the one thing I noticed with a lot of these things is that there isn't an edit function. So you kind of give it the option to compose once, it composes, you're done. That's kind of where you end up, which isn't currently how Bing's AI works or how ChatGPT works, but we'll see how it goes. Apologize if you just heard a lot of drinking. My dog found his water bowl. Then we have Google Maps Immersive. I think this is really cool and could have some really cool use cases for publishers in the travel niche especially. But essentially think of Google Maps. And so they've always had the function, or not always, but for a long time they've had the function where you can do street view. So you like drop yourself down, you can take a look around. I do that so often when scouting out new hotels because I'm like, okay, is this a super sketchy area? <laughs> like what's actually nearby? What is the feel of this place? And so now they have a version where it's going to create immersive views of routes. So the example they gave was all about bicycling around. I don't cycle, not my thing. So for me, I'm going to like use like a hiking example, I guess, but like a city walk. So essentially, if you like route something that you want to do, let's say it's like a two kilometer walk or something, and there's a couple different route options. You can actually preview that route with a virtual bird's eye view that like, to me, they kept saying like, oh, it's like 
real images. It was not. Like, it definitely looked generated. It kind of felt like Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> like, in terms of, like, the scenery was pretty close, but you could tell that, like, it, um, Still, I think it's really cool. It gives you, like, an idea of what it is, and I'm sure they're going to advance it. It also allows you to check like air quality, traffic, weather, and at different times of day, which is something you can currently do when you do like a Google route anyway, um, for traffic anyway. But the other things you can't typically do, you have to go check them elsewhere. So it's cool that they're integrating all of that. Now they're gonna roll it out um, over summer. They only have plans so far for 15 cities. And I think it's gonna be like big, big cities everywhere. They kept mentioning London over and over again for a lot of like, any like location specific example was basically London. So uh, London and Tokyo are rolling out, which will be really cool, but it'd be nice if they roll it out in more places. Then we have um, the new Google Photos Magic Editor, which does a lot of stuff that like Lightroom and Canva does, but it does it like all in Google Photos. And I think this is gonna be a big thing to help people want to use Google Photos unlike using like their MacBook Photos or even Amazon Photos, both of which are unlimited. So with this, you can like regenerate parts of images. So we've all done the thing where it's like, ah, oh, that one weird piece of hair, or you have like the backpack strap, or for me, my fanny pack for my dog food for Theo, or the lighting's a bit off, or you got someone else to take a photo of you and it's slightly crooked, and then that means that like part of the Eiffel Tower isn't included or something. Um, with this, you can now fix all of that, which is really cool. So you're gonna be able to, for free, like refocus images and if something's out of frame drag it into frame and it'll create it so the example they had was a little boy with balloons got cut off kind of halfway through the balloons so it finished creating the balloons and the bench he was sitting on you could then adjust the sky so it wasn't quite as cloudy then that was too bright so you could adjust the whole image so everything was cohesive it was really really cool looking i'll be honest i'm super excited for that one as someone who is like not photo inclined so it'll definitely make my life easier now, they said that their new goal, like one part of their new mission is making AI helpful for everyone. So how are they doing that? These are the four things that they said they're going to be working on. So they, number one, want to improve knowledge and learning, which basically means like delivering information people ask for it. They want to boost creativity and productivity, and that will come with a lot of the ways that they're integrating it into the Google workspace, um, enable others to innovate. Again, same kind of thing with all the integrations and then build and deploy AI responsibly. They had a whole section on responsible AI. And to be honest, I think it was far too small. Like I don't think it was as big as it should be, but I think they were really focused on other stuff. So then they had this thing called the Palm 2 model. So Palm is like what they've been running already. Um, this is like the algorithm behind the AI for Google to some extent. I'm not a programmer. I'm really like chopping this down, I know. So like if you're a developer, don't get mad at me. I am trying to summarize. And <laughs> this was a like two hour thing. Um, I'm not including stuff about like the Google Pixel phones because we also like that doesn't matter to us. So this new model is going to be stronger at logic and reasoning. It's going to work in over 100 languages. It can interpret code and you can actually train it on like niche specific models. So they did two examples, one called SecPalm that is designed for, designed for security experts. So if you put code in, it can examine the code and find like threats or like issues in it that you need to fix to make it more secure. They also did one for medical reasoning. So they gave the example of like, you can 
upload an x-ray and be like, hey, what's wrong? And it'll be able to interpret it, which I think is really interesting, a little bit troubling depending on how they have pre-programmed it. Um, but I think it is an interesting use case. And definitely, literally, I visited Vulcan today, which is like the Star Trek city in Canada. Like, I don't know, we, we have a Star Trek city, it's a thing. Um, and so all it makes me think of is like, in Star Trek and like the Orville and shows like that where they just like scan someone and it tells them what's wrong with them. Like doctors still exist and have to double check it. But I think this is really great and could be something that could help us towards more universal healthcare and like more, um, yeah, just like healthcare for everyone equally. That being said, tons of convoluted issues there we're not going to get into. And those things are currently available in preview, but like not publicly accessible fully. Um, so then they also kept talking about like, as they advance their AI, they're going to work on watermarking tools, which is something that like ChatGPT has also said for a long time. I've sort of started like losing, losing faith in the fact that they're going to do it because they keep being like, we're going to watermark it, we're going to watermark it. And then like, it doesn't happen. Um, which is like why I avoided using ChatGPT a lot at the beginning. And now I'm like, okay, well, Google doesn't mind and you don't seem to be doing it, so who cares? They're also gonna use metadata. So metadata, something that we use for photos especially that can reveal like the metadata that, this, pardon me, the meta descriptions we add is a small part of metadata. There's so much you don't see. And if you actually like went into the metadata of a photo, even if you like think of opening up Apple Photos and like clicking on it, it'll show you location, date, all sorts of stuff. That's all embedded in the metadata. So they're gonna try and find a way to like add a metadata kind of thing, basically a metadata watermark for AI as a way of helping prevent like deep fakes and fake news and things like that. So then we get to BARD, which I think is what a lot of people are very interested in. Um, BARD is their version of the Bing AI. Uh, they're gonna get like very annoyed at people for calling it that for a while, but like Bing released it first, so it's going to take a second. Um, they kept talking about it more so being about code, which I found really interesting. So they kept being like, yeah, it can like work on 20 coding languages. Um, if you ask it to code something, it'll give you like citations of like where it learned it um, and help you figure it all out. And it does also like the interesting thing that I noted was like they kept talking about it's like so popular with coders, so popular with coders. So the Bing AI they released and really pushed it towards users, like just like general lay people. And I don't think a ton of people do use it. Like my dad and sister, I sh I've showed it to them twice now. And each time they're like, what is this? Why would I ever use it? And I'm like, okay, cool. I showed it to you a week ago. So like, you know what it is. But like people outside of our world don't seem to know as much about it. I listened to so many podcasts. Um, I'm going to like go on a tangent for one second, but there was a podcast I listened to that I love. I do love this podcast, but they were talking about um, a tech writer, I believe for the New Yorker who talked to chat GPT or no, talked to the, talked to Bard, I think. Um, and t like it's basically the AI started saying things like, Oh, like, um, I would spread misinformation and like I'm in love with you and all this stuff. And then what no one realized or looked at 
or mentioned in the article <laughs> was that he had trained it to do that because like he said this is what a shadow self is basically it's the dark underbelly of you and like the deepest fears and things like that and like a dark version of you what's a dark version of ai evil ai <laughs> like automatically it he like programmed it into connecting with like, it was so weird and i was just like what is happening so yeah clearly the general public is like open to the fear-mongering of it, which could mean, that's why I said at the beginning, we don't know how long this will last and if people will actually like using it. That being said, I like using it, so I'm gonna focus on that for now. The cool thing with Bard is that unlike ChatGPT or Bing, where you have to like go in and manually move stuff around and copy and paste, you can just click a button and it will automatically export it to Gmail or Google Docs or wherever. They also added a dark theme. People got really excited about that. And that to me says coders. <laughs> that always says developers and coders. They're also like working on training it with new things, just like with ChatGPT currently, even like Jasper has this where you can like thumbs up or thumbs down it to help it learn. So all of these things are technically still in learning mode at the moment. And that means like they haven't reached their full potential. I don't think they ever will, just like a person. Like I don't know that we could ever stop learning just the way they should never stop learning until we get to a matrix situation. So yeah, um, they are very focused on security and from a privacy standpoint, which is interesting. I think that's something people were really worried about with the chat GPT leak a little while ago where there was like a glitch for a minute where it would show other people's previous histories to other people and that was a problem to be honest i don't i don't know i'm not doing anything so top secret with my ai that i'm like oh no the world is ending if people know this however there was and i, I don't remember which company it was but there was a tech company that was feeding it code and proprietary information to the public chat gpt and then had a huge security leak with that. So like, I don't think a lot of people know to be secure with it, even if, like if they're using it for business stuff, which they shouldn't be using the normal ones for business stuff. But they are gonna tie it into Google extensions and partners, and then they talked more about that later, so we'll get into that. They're also making it like very visual, which I found interesting. I'm not a visual thinker. I'm not a very visual person. I'm very much like words, words, words. It's like how I function in life. So, and what I noticed as well about like the dashboard that they showed us, the example of what it could look like soon, it was very image heavy. So I, I don't know what that means for us, but it could be very interesting. I don't know if that does mean that people who are more image focused could see better results. I don't know if the opposite is true, if it's gonna mix and match, we have no idea. But some of the things it's gonna do is if you, um, like finding relevant images to go with the text of an answer. So if you like, if it gives you an answer, it will add an image to go with it. Um, allowing image prompts for Google Lens. So I thought this was really cute. They uploaded a picture of like a German Shepherd and a Golden Retriever and were like, write a goofy caption about it. And then using Google Lens, it was able to identify dog, dog, breeds of dogs, what's happening and created some cute captions. So I think that's really interesting. Um, I did like as well that it's integrating with maps. So I thought that was really cool where you could be like, okay, I wanna go wherever, um, show it to me in, this, the example they gave was like universities. So it was like, okay, universities that have an animation program in Philadelphia or something, put them on a map, show me where they are. And it would do the search for you, which is cool. 
um, then it would also format those results as a table and you could even say like okay add price add is it private add whatever and then you get this like fully formatted helpful table and uses like that are very like god I wish I'd had that when I was trying to figure out where to go to uni um, that would have been super super helpful but yes I think those use cases like none of those are things we do as publishers so at least not in my blog like maybe if you have a university blog you do summarize it a little bit in a table but like that's that should not be the extent of your whole post so if that's all you're doing yeah this will definitely take away from you but i don't know that you're able to rank anyway <laughs> they are connecting with a ton of different platforms like instacart indeed i'm really interested to see how that works a really cool one was Adobe Firefly, which I've never used before or heard of before, and I use Adobe Suite all the time. <laughs> but basically, it's going to work kind of like Jasper Images or Midjourney or any of the AI like text to image generators. So inside of the chat bot, you'll be able to say like create an image of XYZ and it'll create it for you. Now, is it perfect? No, definitely. I think Midjourney is like peak for this stuff, but it can create some cute little things for fun. Um, this is now available to everybody. The like main stuff, some of these things are dripping out a bit slower. Uh, currently it's only in English and Japanese and Korean, but more are coming soon. Uh, I do think it's responsible of them to be taking time with that because languages are like, you have to be very, very specific about those. So I, I, I think it sucks to some degree that they're like announcing it fast and they're doing everything US first, which is pretty common for a US first company, but I, I don't fault them for it fully. Next, we have Google Workspace. I think this is really great, but you'll be able to integrate everything live inside of Google Workspaces. So for example, like I sell AI templates that like are pre-written and formatted in WordPress. And so you need a Chrome extension to use that in WordPress. If you just copy it into a Google Doc, you can now do it in the Google Doc and then move it over. So like still an extra step to some degree, but faster and might be able to eventually become a Chrome extension. We will see. So the cool thing is that you can then like collaborate with it, which was like their whole thing was like AI is collaborative. It was never like AI is going to do stuff for you. It's going to like save your life. AI was always seen as a collaborative tool, which I a hundred percent think it is. Like I don't think AI can function by itself for any of these things. So Basically, it's the same as the help me write thing in Gmail, um, but the issue is like, again, it's a one-time question. So yeah, write me an intro paragraph on this thing. You can't then say, actually, that's too wordy, write a shorter one. You just go back and like start from a new prompt. And sometimes the best way to train it is just to adjust stuff. So it kind of sucks that you can't do that. And maybe we'll see that that becomes a possibility later. Um, I like that you can run it in Google Sheets and like create templates for things. They use like a dog walking business as an example. I am so addicted to spreadsheets. Like I love a spreadsheet desperately, but I'm terrible at formatting them because I just, again, not a visual thinker. I don't care. So this is really cool because I would be able to like get it to auto generate a style of table for me that would then like interpret my data in whatever way. And that's super helpful. And it's really cool for like new businesses, especially that just need like like, how do I bookkeep? Make me a bookkeeping spreadsheet. I would have loved that because I annoyed my accountant a lot when I didn't know what that was. <laughs> 
It's also cool in the Google slide deck, you can take the text from a slide, put it into an image generator and create like images to go with it. Um, similarly, you can even say like, oh shit, I forgot to do like the captions at the bottom or whatever for like the speakers. I never do speaker notes. I, I just like, or not inside of a slide anyway, like I do them on paper. Um, but it can then like interpret the slides and then create speaker notes based on all the slides, which is really cool. So it's called Duet AI for Workspace. Um, it's currently available for trusted testers next month, but for everyone else, they said later this year. They did seem like they specified like personal and business users, which to me is everybody. <laughs> but I guess you have to be logged in, which like you kind of have to anyway. I don't know. Um, then they talked about like AI offer offering prompts proactively. So they call it Sidekick, which is like the sidebar thing, similar to what Bing has. It's kind of unclear where it's limited to work though. Like they don't really specify that. Um, but essentially it can read and process a document for the, this example, it was Google Docs. And then it'll be able to like figure out what you might ask next. So this is something that Reword does. Reword's an AI tool that I quite like. I have a video on it as well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's an interesting idea for them to try and get around prompt engineering. Like that way people, regular people don't need to become prompt engineers. The thing is it's often like follow-up questions, less so again, editable stuff, which it's fine, but we'll see. Um, Cause it's, the interesting thing is they literally said like, it's easier to like react to something and see if you want to like go forward with it or choose another option. Great. But how about interacting with it? <laughs> like reacting to it is a step slower to me. Like I want to interact with it and adjust with it. So we will see if that comes in. But same thing, it can generate images, um, can summarize texts, emails, threads. I thought the email one's really cool, especially as somebody who like loses total track of my emails. Um, so being able to be like, okay, uh, summarize what everyone's bringing to the bake sale and there was a Google sheet about it above, linked somewhere, it'll go to that Google sheet, pull out the information, make you a little list without you having to tell it about the sheet, which is really cool. Um, and it cites its sources by linking to whatever sheet or document it's referring to, which I think is really great. I may actually have to like move off of Apple Mail, which is what I currently use just because it connects to my phone. So then Google search, this is probably the part everyone's waited for. They made you wait like 40 minutes. I'm only making you wait 20, so we're here for it. Um, the first thing that they said was that user trust is above everything else. And I think that's always been the case. User experience, user trust, users are at the core of Google. And that's why all of us like, like using it, basically. Um, so they really focus on like that's going to continue to be a thing. Now, with every example they gave, they kept referencing how original publishing is still going to be there, even like intermittently. And this is the interesting thing to me is no one on Twitter or TikTok or YouTube that I've seen or in the newsletters I've seen coming out, no one is talking about the fact that they did this. And I don't know why, but essentially they kept being like, here's this new feature. And if you click this, then you'll get all the sources. If you scroll here, then you'll get all the sources. And they kept like referring to, um, yeah, the, the generated content by us and where it's going to show up. And again, I don't know why no one else noticed that. There was even a quote I included that we'll talk about in a second that I posted on Twitter because I was like, hey, why is no one mentioning this? This is an important quote. Um, yeah, so I don't know if people were 
overreacting to it like too quickly if they all just shoved it into chat gpt to summarize which i did see some people doing and saw some issues with that um which is why we always double check <laughs> but yeah so i don't know i just want to say that like there's a lot of panic and they clearly realize there's panic because they were doing these things to try and calm us down and it just didn't work interestingly again the example they gave travel related so they put in the um question like what's better for a family with kids under three and a dog bryce canyon or arches so it's talking about the parks and like which one you should take your family to and you will notice with this like we would never write a post on that we might write bryce canyon versus arches we might write bryce canyon for kids arches for kids like but none of us would ever think to create this specific of a post like of a, a keyword style post because so few individual people would search for it and to us they could glean that information from maybe six posts maybe even one where it's like bryce canyon versus arches and you mentioned kid friendly dog friendly stuff in it most people wouldn't to be honest they tend to kind of forget that and then they would do a kid friendly version of each dog friendly version of each family version of each maybe and then the comparison and then you get like it just gets frustrating so they were saying that like the current way people search is in pieces like that and i do this all the time i just like left the u.s after a month road tripping with my dog there and there were so many times it was like okay dog friendly things there <laughs> gluten free things there um things for like person afraid of snakes so i don't want to do any of like the rattlesnake hiking stuff things for solo hikers because i can't hike alone in certain places because of bears because like yes bear spray but theo's very friendly and a hundred percent would try to hug a bear and we would die a hundred percent i know that so because of that i was searching in this really choppy way and their whole point is that this is a way to like search for your specific custom solution and what it does then is it gives you a couple paragraphs so it's longer than any featured snippet we've ever had before um kind of looks like a 2008 version of a blog post almost with how short it is but it generates all that information from sources already on google so the interesting thing then is where it shows the sources so the example they gave it was like text here and then like three little boxes with kind of the top three reputable places where they learn this information you could expand it and then see all of the sources sorted by each claim so oh bryce canyon has amazing kid-friendly hikes maybe there were three mom blogs that they pulled that from and they would list those specifically and they might list it again if it was also like a source for other parts of their content and this is really interesting because they are showing sources and in a lot of their examples they haven't made that clear but i think that is helpful to remember that like they they know people want to know where this came from um they also kept like scrolling beneath it to be like here's the ai but content down here they did not mention google ads which of course would show up in the middle um might even show up above the ai at some point we don't know might even show up in the ai at some point again we don't know but they kept scrolling down to be like oh and then you can like now that you know the quick answer you can go down and read the full thing from this blogger and i was like hmm interesting no one else mentions this and i don't know why because like everyone's panicking about it and so here's the quote that i think is really interesting even in a world where ai can provide insights we know that people will always value the input of other people and a thriving web is essential to that 
So they know, and of course they know, that like they need us content creators to pull this information. And that this is giving someone essentially a snippet answer. And to me, like the answers I was seeing are just like a featured snippet where it's like, okay, I get the Cliffs notes. Now I want to know which of those hikes I should do with my kids in Bryce Canyon now that I've decided. Now I want to know, I don't know, they did like a bicycle example. So now I want to like buy the bike. I have to go somewhere to do that. I'm not doing it through them. They don't suddenly make bikes. So the content like, or like the need to go to the content creator is still there. And that was really interesting to me. So we don't know the full impact, but clearly like they are still thinking about us and it makes sense because they make ad revenue through us. Because like every ad network runs through Google AdSense to above a 90% degree, I would say, if not 100%. So because of that, like they do still need us a lot. <laughs> they kept saying that search is going to be smarter and at least simpler. I do think the simple is correct in terms of like people like me who do like the choppy previous searches can now just do it once. And they kept saying it's like best used for like complex questions or like detailed questions where you are going to be potentially searching something that basically isn't going to be a keyword. So you're not just searching like best hikes in Bryce Canyon. You're going to be searching, yeah, like the best hikes for three-year-old and stroller in Bryce Canyon that like just might not be mentioned that much. And then maybe you veer off into buying a stroller somewhere and it can help take you through that journey a bit more where a single blog post often doesn't. And then it seems like they're really pushing it for e-commerce where it'll like show the results for like, yeah, like best mountain bikes for hills. It'll show up-to-date reviews, the inventory, price amounts, deals, things like that, which I think is going to be super helpful for people. And then that's where you can like add on an extra question like, okay, uh, I only want it in red. So you just say red and it will adjust it to only show you red versions from all across the internet. And I think that is really helpful to anyone but me because I am the most indecisive person in the world and for it to pull from everywhere I don't know that I'm ever going to make another decision or purchase again <laughs> like I, I probably won't use that very much and then again they kept saying like oh if you just scroll you'll see the search results um, and so she kept doing that over and over and over again which I think is a pretty big hint um, then they currently have a thing called Search Labs where they're kind of like starting to roll all this out. It's only available in the U.S. or if you have a U.S. VPN, you can just join it. Um, there's a wait list right now. People are starting to get in, but seems cool. And then they called this new version of Search, Search Supercharged. <laughs> so then we have Magic Compose. Um, this is for phones, but like we could see some adjustments of this coming towards the other AI areas where it's talking about like using, creating like custom emoji wallpapers, um, adjusting a message and then like having it like adjust the tone. So like, okay, yeah, I'll definitely be there. And then you're like talking to, I don't know, you're like 13 talking to your first boyfriend. You're like, oh, does that sound too eager or too whatever? And then you can have it change the tone, which I think is really interesting because none of their other search or Chrome models had tone included from what I saw. Um, yeah, and then same thing, you can create uh, like images specifically for like wallpapers or create a 3D version of an image with AI. Um, the text to image models there as well, all rolling out in the fall. Um, then much like uh, ChatGPT is doing now with their plugins, much like a lot of things like Jasper have done to ChatGPT, 
basically you can use the Google base API, which is called Vertex AI, and then adjust it and train it on your own models. So through that, you'll be able to like create specific prompts and like train it. So it's like, okay, if someone wants to write essays off of ChatGPT, every time you have to tell it what an essay is and how to do it, you could pre-program it almost, and then it would run through it. Um, this is going to like, like they kept talking about like price and cost, like minorly slipping it in there. So I'm pretty sure it's going to have a pricing similar to ChatGPT's API, where it's like a certain small, small, small amount of cents for every credit you run. Um, but this will be really cool because it's especially like going to help businesses who want to create specific apps, create programs inside of their business um, and make it more accessible for them to do that. And I think that's a really interesting use case. They were talking about companies that are already using it, like Canva has been using it. They've done it for like their images, which are pretty terrible, to be honest. <laughs> um, I don't know that Canva is the best use case for AI from what I've seen, but they're working on a cool new thing with uh, this Vertex AI that's like a magic video. So it'll turn like a couple images into a video, but like with a story arc almost, or like with connections. Um, Wendy's is using it for voice ordering soon for takeout, but also they're currently using it to power their app for orders. Then there's something called character.ai. They mentioned it very briefly about like creating a custom character avatar. I don't really understand, but they mentioned it, sounded interesting. Um, and then Jasper is one of the other companies they're working with. Jasper will now be like able to work inside of uh, like Google Drive and things like that and Google Docs. Which is interesting because I would have thought that's a competitor to their like own one that's going to run in, I, I don't know. It's interesting. We'll see what happens. So then they developed like three specific models of Vertex. So there's Imogen, which creates images from text input. There's Cody, which creates code generation. And Chirp for speech to text, which has like a higher accuracy than most. Um, but basically they're just use cases to show you what you can do. And then, yeah, there's a reinforcement learning, so feedback helps it learn. Um, and you can run this on industry data too, rather than just like you saying yes or no, you can pre-train it on like, basically the way Jasper now has brand voice, you can kind of train it on your brand's history. And even on like internal business, like, like I don't know, I've worked for a lot of companies and like banks and stuff that had like an internal Facebook almost, and then internal like data centers um, that only we had access to. So you'd be able to use this to train it on all of that, and then it would know your company inside and out. So that's in preview, which is interesting. Um, I know most of us aren't going to use that for a business sense, but like you might end up making something for, yeah, for your peoples. Um, Duet AI for Google Cloud. I don't really understand like why they broke this out of the Google Drive to some extent, but it seemed very code based where it's basically about like helping developers. So to me, it seems like it is kind of similar to Google Drive versus cloud. I don't know. But yeah, probably not something we're going to use a ton, but it's going to be faster and cheaper than any others out there, they claim. We'll see if that's true. Then Palm APIs open for app development. So I this is really cool. I did my publishing uh, masters. And at the time we were talking about how publishing is getting gamified and things like that. And so there's this new thing called chapter, which I didn't miss the E, it has no E. Basically it's like they give you a base story and then you choose your own adventure and it rewrites the story in real time as you go with AI, which is so cool. Kids would freaking love that. 
uh, Wendy is Wendy's is using it for orders, things like that. It's getting integrated with a bunch of third-party and Google development tools over time. It's not there yet, but it will be. And then they gave the example of something called Project Tailwind, which will be interesting to see if Tailwind, the company, is okay with that example and that word. Um, but basically, it's like an AI notebook that, based on your Google Drive, will like collate information and then organize it for you. So the example they gave is students. Like if you upload all the notes from a certain class, it'll then organize it, pull out key topics, and then have suggested questions. So like, okay, um, what is the key lesson from today? Things like that. And that's gonna really innovate studying, I think, especially for people who are neurodivergent, who like can't just sit down and cram and see everything and just like immediately know it. Um, I think this is gonna be a really cool function for people who think differently. And this could really help with people planning blog content, with people organizing teams, all sorts of stuff. Then we get to responsible AI, which you can see I don't have a ton written down because honestly they said a lot of fluff um, that didn't do a ton. Basically, they were like, yeah, everything's changing so fast. We're going to be so responsible. And they kind of just kept saying that, which like, to be fair, is what any company would do. Let's be real. But interestingly, um, they did say some interesting things that were actual tangible things they're doing. <laughs> so number one is, uh, yeah, having a watermark on things. So they are going to, when something is generated through them, create a watermark. Specifically for images is what they were saying, because I do think it would be very challenging to do it to any kind of words, but we'll see how that works. And then they're also gonna have something called About This Image, which is a tool that basically when you click on an image, like someone sends you something out of context. They gave the example of the moon landing, which is probably controversial in the US, I don't know. Um, but when you click on it, you could then see, okay, where and when did this show up online and where have similar photos shown up online so like if someone sent you the eiffel tower you didn't know what that was you could kind of reverse image search it almost with this about tool and then it would tell you okay what is this thing and where might you have seen it otherwise and so then it'll show you a bunch of other images of the eiffel tower from different angles and stuff that other people might have taken um, it'll also show you where this one came from then yeah, they're gonna they're trying to like figure out algorithms essentially to stop fake news and deep fakes because they have things that like there's AI out there now that can create like like I could technically maybe I'm not because I don't know how to do that <laughs> running this video on an avatar of myself. This could be fake Nina could be trained on my voice and my image. It could know all my weird hand gestures and my inability to look at the same place for too long um, and it could run all of this from that. But the problem is I could theoretically do that or someone else could theoretically do that. And that's not safe. So they are trying to figure out ways to basically build algorithms that would prevent that from happening or make it identifiable. So they said like, we don't wanna create kind of outside of what we can control to some extent um, or what we have safeguards for. And they definitely don't have safeguards for all that stuff. They also said that they're going to like in their chat output kind of thing, basically block fake information as much as they can, which I think is an interesting idea and some, like a good, a hopeful plan. I think it's hard to do. Again, they kept using the moon landing, which like from what I know of American sitcoms, apparently a lot of people don't believe in. Um, and then there's like questions of like the image and things like that. And so the problem is if they like 
currently Google search adjusts to you and your algorithm. So if someone does believe that stuff, what, like, what's fake to them or fake to someone else would be different. You know what I mean? So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. I also have a lot of problems with the safe search filters on AI right now because they are, they mentioned this really briefly, but they were like, yep, there's bias in AI. And I'm like, oh my God, is there bias in AI? There is racial bias. There's a ton of fat phobia in AI, which is really horrifying. There's random, like, like the word brunette will often get vetoed by certain AIs. And I've had to like write to the owners and be like, hey, like, especially for images. I'm like, I remember when Jasper first launched images and I was trying to generate like brunette girl. Cause like naturally I'm a brunette and it was like, nope, that's nope. And the word it flagged was brunette. And I was like, guys, <laughs> it's just brown hair. Like what's happening? If you did plus sized as well, they freak out and won't do it. So it's interesting that like, I think the human error and the human bias is built in a bit. So we need to work on that. But I think there's also some issues that can come from people filtering news to too much of an extent. I fully believe in like, yeah, we don't want fake news, but at a certain point there's different viewpoints, you know? So we just have to be a bit careful with that and we'll see how that rolls out. But yeah, so this was, my deep dive that was almost as long as the, the information they did, um, but a little bit more pulled out. And yeah, so far, honestly, I am not panicking about this. I think it's really cool. I think it'll be interesting to see how it works, what it does. Um, I'm kind of currently treating it like Siri. Like I have Siri on my phone and my laptop. The last time I used it, couldn't tell you. The last time I tried to use it actually was this morning and it just didn't listen to me when I was like asking it as I drove to just like help check something. Um, nope, didn't do it. So who knows the like how useful this will be? Who knows what's actually like gonna happen? People might just get obsessed with it for a month or two. Like remember when Siri first came out and we were all like chatting with her and like people did the whole like, oh, like, do you have a boyfriend theory thing? Just like that weird tech reporter did with um, whatever AI it was. I'm sorry that I don't remember. But yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting time to see how this all happens. And I think the best thing to do as publishers is just take a step back from panicking. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Because like, to our knowledge for now, doing SEO the right way, producing great content, that's what works. Everyone who's telling you diversify today, diversify today. Yes, long-term, fully diversify. But if you are just starting a site, like if you're under, I don't know, 10,000 page views, it is not worth your time to go and like also start a Pinterest and start web stories and start, I don't know, TikTok and start a newsletter and, 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 and like nothing, you're not gonna have time for any of those things. And you don't have enough consistency yet with the one main thing. So yes, like, SEO could die tomorrow. It's very, very unlikely. I do not see that happening. But at the same time, like diversifying out of panic is not going to help you. And the number one thing that slowed me down on my journey to all of my blogging success, basically, was jumping from thing to thing every minute based on random nonsense. So yeah, I do one thing for a week, maybe even like six weeks sometimes. I think that was like my longest stint was six weeks. And then I'd bounce to the next thing and to the next and to the next and to the next. 
I've seen the most success sticking with one thing. So like I do SEO. That's what I do. It's basically all I do. I definitely leverage SEO for affiliates. Um, I, I do kind of consider them the same thing because it's on site. And then for a couple of my sites, I have a newsletter. I don't pay as much attention to one of them as I should. The other one, like for my She Knows SEO one, I love that one. But like, I don't spend as much time on the newsletter. Like I don't even, I think I spend less than 1% of the time on the newsletter that I do on the blog itself. And that's okay. That's what works for me. I don't use Pinterest. I don't use like Instagram for this stuff. Instagram, TikTok, everything is just fun for me. Even like YouTube where this is right now, like you will look at my videos and you will see that there is no strategy. <laughs> there's like, oftentimes there's no thumbnail, there's no description, there's no timestamps, there's no nothing. And that's because like, this is my fun outlet. My actual like blog, move the needle activities are all SEO and jumping from thing to thing just dilutes what you can put into one. So if someone gave you a tablespoon of sugar and four mugs of tea, if you like sweet tea, you really should only put that into one of the mugs. You should not put a quarter into each one because number one, go get more sugar, <laughs> do something else. But with, if the sugar is time, we can't magic more time. So you are best sticking with having one really, really good cup of tea and then leaving the others, letting them get cold, giving them away, whatever. And then next time, you'll, I don't know, have pre-prepped that one mug of tea and then you can move on to the next one. This is getting a bit of a mixed metaphor. I've been driving for about seven, eight hours today, so I'm really tired, so I'm losing steam. But yeah, this has been the Google Keynote IO. Um, I think it was a really interesting watch. I did watch the rest about like Pixel and stuff like that, but just wasn't, I just don't care because I don't use any of the Google phones um, or tablets and the things that they were talking about were very specific to those things. So I definitely care way more about the results online for all of us. So I hope this might have helped you not panic as much or gives you more insight. Um, I do recommend if you haven't watched it and you just want to like skim it, even just like open up the transcript and skim it a bit, definitely watching the search section, which is where I found that quote that no one's talking about, but it's like towards the beginning of the search section. Um, there are timestamps on their videos so you can go to it very easily. Yeah, I think those are worth watching so you can understand for yourself. I would even recommend watching like where they do that travel search that way you can understand the way it looks because i described it again i'm not a visual person so i'm not very good at like describing things in their visual locations um but yeah looking at it it didn't it just looked like a fancy new featured snippet to be honest that just amalgamates a couple things and we don't even know like which um queries it's going to show up on necessarily it could show up on every single one that's unlikely but it probably will show up on very specific ones. And then there's probably some that like just search results are going to show up on same as ever. So yeah, I recommend taking a deep breath and just don't panic. Panic. We can't do anything about it. So why panic? Just put your head down and keep working. <laughs>